are back in the Football Shed, your weekly podcast for fans that live in the wrong time zone, like we do here in Melbourne. My name's John Hewitt, Jeff King is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is here for two weeks in a row. What? You sound surprised. I know. Usually you have a holiday. Do you need a holiday? Oh, I was holiday? about to say hello to everyone then. And you no, I was surprised you're here. Hi, Roger. How are you? Hello, you, I'm okay. Do you remember when Wayne Routledge was really good? Yeah, a long time ago now. Yeah. Wait, I rem- wait a minute. I don't think Wayne Routledge was ever <laughs> no, really good. No, I remember. Sorry, just a crack in. I remember when Wayne Rooney and Wayne Routledge both made debuts in the same... Um, same month, I think it was. And I remember thinking, oh, the future of English football is bright. Look look Two at both, both the Waynes. <laughs> and um, one of them, their star waned, you'd say. <laughs> Did you bring up that whole story just to just, be able to say that? No, that's just natural natural flair, Rog. Natural, Na- natural gift. comic timing. Yeah, yeah gift of oh, the... Well, you certainly have a gift. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what they call it. Jeff, what uh, gifts are you bringing today? What's your beers? Burfies. This is the last of my Christmas beer. Oh, wow. So yeah. you drank the Christmas whiskey? Yeah. You drank the Christmas brandy? Yeah, brandy's gone, gin's gone. Oh, what are you going to do next week? Oh, there's one bottle of champagne left. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an expensive one. So, oh, maybe. No, it's John's birthday. Oh, yes. I should have cracked that well, out. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, well. Yes. Turned the ripe old age of 36 today. Happy birthday, John. Thanks, thanks. It means I'm 18 twice. Does that mean I get two 18th birthday parties? Yes. It means you have to go out and get twice as drunk as you did on your 18th birthday. Okay. I can't remember my 18th birthday. You would so literally die. die. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rog, what are you drinking? Uh, I've got um, my Shaky Pete in a can. Oh, your wanker And beer. also a Henty Street Ale, which I've been raving about, I know. And yeah. I do like it. But I bought a slab, Yeah, as you know. And so, are you bored of it now? Well, I drank a six-pack. Now, normally when I've had it, I've had it as a filler in yeah, between, okay. like really strong hoppy beers yeah. that I normally drink and it was great in that scenario but to have it just as a six pack on its own bit boring yeah a bit dull well just like that story <laughs> uh, anyway <laughs> I've got my uh, birthday beers which are uh, story an orange citre sour which is uh, one of my favourites delicious football um, let's go. We don't want to talk about beer more. No, no, no. What about Wayne Jeff doesn't care about beer. Look at what he drinks <laughs> yeah, every true. week. Whatever's right. in the cupboard. Every week, we're going to start with a question, like we always do, Jeff, but I'm going to do my admin bit first. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question, uh, tell us we're wrong about something or that Jeff's beer tastes the crap. Um, you can find us on Facebook, just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. And also don't forget to subscribe and obviously tell your mates and leave us a review so more people can hear us talk shit. This week's question is about Liverpool. How many days has it been since Liverpool lost at home in the league? Days. So not months or weeks, um, days. I think this is something absurd like a thousand and one. Rog? That's a lot. That sounds like too many. Um, how many days in a year? 365. Um, 366 this year. It's a leap year. More than that. Uh, 800. Uh, well, that's, that's firstly less, less than, than that. Thousand. Yeah, you, you said no, 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 no. More than like one year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's 1,004. Oh, what did you say? So 1,001. Yeah, they got oh, to 1,000 this weekend. I probably read that stat three days ago when yeah. I was correct. Because um, <laughs> yeah. I remember... The, yeah, it's just the, slowly getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> the general election. It's the third general election in the UK since Liverpool lost their last home yes. game. Barack Obama was president and there wasn't Brexit. Have they got near... Um, it's 
Mourinho's Chelsea that still has the record. Yeah, I think uh, so. At home, isn't it? Yeah, like, at home. Yeah. yeah, they did like 60-odd games. Mm. Um, but basically, Liverpool are quite good. Yeah, quite good. Um, and does that mean the title's over? They beat Man United 2-0 at the weekend. The, okay, here's a, here's a question, right? So, obviously, Klopp um, went through his first three years at Liverpool yeah. without winning anything. Yeah, got to the Champions League final, granted, but didn't, but hasn't won it. Didn't win anything until he won the Champions yeah, he League. He got to the Europa League final and he got to the Champions League final. So, I mean, this does bode the the question of whether sticking with a manager <laughs> might be a better strategy than yeah. just fucking them off as soon as they don't win something. Well, he in their first full season that Klopp was there, he came eighth. Yeah, which is crap, really. If but if, I also think he was lucky, right, in that he came into Liverpool. You kind of forget it now because of how good they are. But he came into Liverpool in at a time when they'd really been a bit crap for years. Now they were I a basket know, case, yeah. yeah. Now I know they won the um, Roy Hodgson was won, and they Kenny won the Champions Wish. League under mm. Benitez. But it was a bit of a one-off. They weren't consistently good. Yeah, and I think it'd like, you know, did you say Roy Evans? Uh, like, no, Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson. Well, Roy Hodgson, I can go back further to like, you know, the Roy, Roy Evans days. And they just... You know, they'd been. It's been so long since they've been consistently good that I think that he was almost in a position where he could do that. And there aren't many clubs of Liverpool stature that you find that are in that position as a manager of kind of being able to have that long. I think it's a bit of a unique scenario. And also continue to give him the opportunity to invest. So they've not done right. United are a basket case. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've spoken about Oli and whatever and whether they, they should actually give him money or just like you know, cut their losses. Yeah. In Liverpool's example, they, they've given the Blake time, but then also every single transfer window, they've given him money. They've constantly backed his methodology to the point where they are now sitting on the best team in Europe. Uh, best Premier League team probably by the end of the season, best Premier League team we will have seen because of the points tally. Um, already the best first half of the season. And, and you'd argue that they actually, from Liverpool's club perspective deserve a lot of credit for, for backing him at a time where he couldn't win Toffee. And they've backed him, but they've also made huge amounts of money from selling Coutinho and Suarez. Um, and they've had a plan in place of who they wanted to buy. They wanted Van Dijk, and they didn't care what it cost or if they had to wait. They wanted Naby Keita, didn't care what it cost, didn't know, care if they had to wait. Doing that, same with Alisson in goal means that they've had a structure and a plan. We've talked about this so often with like Man United, where it's like, oh, panic, buy this guy, buy this guy. Whereas they've waited and gone, that's the guy we want, he'll make our team better, and we trust you to do it. Yeah, and you, it's the same transfer committee that we all took the piss out of 10 years ago yeah. that have that have sanctioned those signings. Liverpool yeah. have not changed their structure, it's just it's become less of a joke. But yeah. I think as well, though, that they, like we're talking about it three years is actually a relatively short time to get to the point they are now. Well, he's, he's in his think, fifth year now. So he's in his fifth, but you know what I mean, yeah. like to get see that that mm. level of improvement. I mean, they as I said, they got to Champions League final. They then won Champions League, and I think, um, you know, to be able to do that over a relatively short time frame, I think shows that if you can get those structures right but throughout the club, not just the manager, he's a part of it. But I think you're dead right. They've, you know, they've been. Sign, they've been playing to a plan, they've been signing to a plan, but you can do it. And I think that's the thing that with United is, yes, no manager's really had that continuity, but I don't feel like through the club yeah. there is a clear structure of how they're going to get to the point where Liverpool are now, which is essentially what they're aiming at. Yeah, but I think that with... And to go on to United a little bit, 
that United have shown with Oli this last window, the um, summer window, buying young, buying for the future, buying long term, and mainly British. And if you do that in one window, you've got to stick with it for, like we always say, four windows you need at least to actually change a team. Is there any value in getting rid of Oli? Like, Bring this up because Man United lost 2 0 to Liverpool and were way well beaten. Could have grabbed a point at the end, maybe. Um, but Liverpool also could have scored a lot more than yes, they did. But post the game, everyone's coming out. Man United are a basket case. This is the, they've just lost a 2 0 to probably the best Premier League team ever. And it's a whole big process. I think Man United as a club and as a wider society are right now exactly like Liverpool were in the mid. 90s where they had this ego still and believed oh we're meant to be here and we're meant to win this you've got to realize where you're at may not have a crap they've got to try and get to the champions league that's where they're at yeah in three years time try and win the league i do think that there is something that feels a bit there's a disconnect between where they are and what they're trying to achieve yes it feels like the um the, the common rhetoric around what Man United need are, okay, well, they need two midfielders, they need a centre-forward, they need another centre-back, they probably need a new left-back and right-back. What the, the common consensus is they basically need a new side to achieve what they want to achieve. Okay, let's just stop that. Actually, look at where they are and look at what the next stage in their development should be. They don't need a new team. No. You're, you're right, they, they have young players, they're growing, they're integrating. What they need is to slowly progress that young team. They need to put a, you know, probably a bit more leadership on the pitch. Uh, I say that sounds like it sounds like a cliche, but they need to, yeah. uh, you know, buy a midfielder who's probably twenty six and done it before to replace yeah. Mata. So, that, so they they need to kind of make those mature players younger by replacing them with younger players, but not young players. Yeah. And they don't need a complete overhaul. What they need to do is realize the position they're in, and then just take one step up that ladder yeah. and keep going rung by rung like Liverpool have done. I hate using Liverpool as an example. I'm going to disagree with you here, John, in that I know there's been a bit about it. I just do not think that Solskjaer is that man because I don't think he's a good football coach. Now, just bear with me here. So I'm going to go to an an, um, example with Klopp where I think... So one player that I think is a great example of Klopp being a good manager or coach and players getting better... One thing I've noticed about Liverpool in the last few weeks, and I don't think it's now seven clean sheets in a row, yeah, something crazy, crazy like yeah, that. Yeah. Now, earlier this year, he started the season with Joe Gomez, who then had a bit of a mare. Yeah. Matt, then it was really Matip. I think Gomez maybe played the first one or two games. Then Matip came in and played really well and then got injured. And then he'd lost a bit of confidence in Gomez. So Lovren came in. Now, I was watching some of the world super... Club Championships, Mickey Mouse Cup, whatever it is. Oh, the, the, uh, the World Club Championships. Yeah, and Qatar. Joe Gomez was playing. Yeah. And he was really good. And I didn't realise how good his passing range was. Um, and I, I was really impressed with him. And I'm, and I'm sort of like, okay, maybe he's got it. And because Van Dyke was out in the game I was watching. Mm. So Joe Gomez was essentially the senior partner playing with Jordan Henderson at centre back. That's in, right. In the game yeah. I watched. And I was really, really impressed with him. And then I've just found it fascinating that, you know, he was essentially third choice um, behind Matip and Lovren. Then through injuries, he's then got a go. And now all of a sudden he's playing with Van Dijk and Liverpool have got to the point where they look at their peak defensively. And I think that just shows what a good coach Klopp is. Whereas in this, you know, in this game, uh, Liverpool's goal... Van Dijk was being marked by... Brandon Williams. Yeah, who's five three foot, foot six. He's about a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. Uh, man-marked. Yeah. To me, that's on the coach. Uh, no manager 
since some guy a long, long time ago at Man United has a worse win ratio than Solskjaer. Yeah. A 36-odd percent. Yeah. Which Remember, is, Moyes had about 54%. Which is pretty... Well, even if you um, add in Solskjaer's golden Labrador period... Yeah. His win ratio is less than Mourinho's. It's forty-eight as opposed to Mourinho's. You know who got sacked, which was about which was about fifty-four. Um, I think the the biggest thing their successful passes have gone down per game as compared to Mourinho. When you think of how Mourinho's side set up, that's pretty damning. But I think the thing that really gets me when I watch United, the only time you look good is when other teams, yeah, attack you. And then we can counter And then you can counter-attack yeah. and there's space. Now, to me, that's a relatively straightforward way to play football. Yes, mm. to do it well, you know, takes a lot of a lot of skill, but I think it's much harder to, you know, uh, coach attacking play and structure I, fluent uh, attacks when you're gonna get the ball. And Solskjaer cannot do it, and I just don't I don't think he's the man for the job. I totally agree with all those things. The stats are bad, the win percentage are bad, but I think it's also learning to look at Man United of where they are. They're a top four, five, fifth, sixth team right now. That's where they are. Like, yes, Man United should be mm. bigger than that, but that's what their squad is. That's what they're playing at. That's where they are in the league. But he's averaging 1.4 points a game. It's worse than that. But then if they win tomorrow morning, they're three points off fourth. At the start of the season, Man United getting the top four, I'm impressed. Like, that's good. But forget about position. I, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. I think we have to readjust our expectations of them. But if we're talking about three years, four years, mm. do you think that Solskjaer is the man to lead United through that? No, I agree. And, I do, and Woodward. I do agree with you, Roger. I do think that the the easiest thing to coach when you have top-class footballers is a counter-attack because you, there is no player ever who's in the middle of a, a striding run up the pitch in the middle of a counter who goes oh, wait a minute what did my manager tell me to do in this position fuck yeah. that they look Just for the run. bloke who's open yeah. or they or, you know they know what they've been doing it in yeah. their whole footballing life because you know kid football is counter-attack after counter-attack after counter-attack there's no defensive structure what you don't see from from Ollie is you know inverted wing backs you don't see a high block you don't see a formation change when you attack and defend it just doesn't exist yeah. for Manchester United right now sometimes he sets a team up against the opponent so so sometimes he will change his formation yeah. when uh, when he's playing against a side which he did against Liverpool yeah. but, as, but as soon as Liverpool scored he didn't change it back to anything else and so it's like he, he set up for a team but it didn't set up for a moment so yeah. once Liverpool were 1-0 up after was it 6 minutes or whatever it was United retained the same formation. Now that was that was there to nullify Liverpool. Now once it hasn't nullified Liverpool, you, you need plan B. You need yeah. plan B. <laughs> Stop trying to nullify them because they're going to go. Okay, fine. We'll just stand here. You yeah. nullify us. We'll win the game one nil. See yeah. ya. Yeah. And I think that's right. And I do think he has flaws in that area. But I think he's a young coach. He can learn. Also, if you don't have the players right now in the squad to do those things. Pereira's crap. Like, he's not a Premier League footballer, but we don't have any other midfielders. So that's where the squad is right now. A lot of people so, love him. I agree with you. I don't think he's very he's good. He's just but... awful. So they, you have to bring the whole quality of the squad up rather than just going, we're going to make everyone better overnight. Yeah, and you, and you do that step by step. It takes uh, a long um, time. I, I'm with you both. 
frustratingly. I don't think he's the man to coach them into better players. I've, I've discussed that mm. before. But I do believe that John, you need to go step by step and rung by rung. Yeah. And without moving too far off Liverpool, one of the things that I've been most um, impressed with from Klopp's tenure is the the pace for which he brings new players into the side. Yeah. So look at Naby Keita. He bought Naby Keita for a lot of money. Mm. Naby Keita didn't make an appearance for six months, did he? Yeah. He, he was essentially deemed unfit to play in the Premier League not unfit but like he didn't know the was going well yeah. enough he wasn't ready now he's come in when he's come in he's now world class and we go this bloke what a yeah. great signing we forget that the first six months actually he same barely, with Fabinho Robertson exactly right so then we if I then use that same brush and I look at other teams in the Premier League and I look at other players that we have judged so I look at players like Moise Kane Joel Linton yeah. We, we've sat here and we've gone, oh, holy shit, they were big money signings that have really underachieved. If both of those signings were made for Liverpool, they wouldn't have seen a game yet. Yeah. Which means we wouldn't have judged them. All we'd have done is judge the coach and going, oh, they have recognised that that player is not ready yet. So going back to United, United are buying for the necessity of, of needing players in positions. Liverpool buy for the structure of their club and they ease those players in to the requirements of future planning. United are the, uh, are the opposite. They go, well, we need... A, experienced midfielder so yeah. they'll buy one and they'll throw them straight in yeah, well that's the luxury of being where they are too though yeah. like the, you know that's kind of it's what Man City have been doing success, for the last few years yeah, yeah. success yeah. breeding success um, Jeff did you say you wanted to say something about Alisson because we were going to talk about goalkeepers yeah, a little I, bit so I, let's, uh, let's I, move on to goalkeepers um, I th- there are some absolutely absurd Alisson statistics that have uh, that have surfaced this week because obviously their, their clean sheet record is insane Um I read this week that Allison has conceded uh, 27 goals and kept 28 clean sheets. Wowzers. In that time. In all his Liverpool appearance. So, so yeah, in the yeah. in the time he's kept 28 yeah. clean sheets. He, uh, so he's more clean sheets than goals Ooh, in the last ridiculous. 20. Uh, yeah. And his assist for Mo Salah was amazing. Excellent. So good. Absolutely excellent. But on the flip side of that, so how much was Allison? 70 mil? 70 mil. 70 mil. Uh, another keeper who was 70 mil was yeah. Kepper at yeah. Chelsea. Now, he's crap. I'm sorry. He is crap. But... He is crap. <laughs> um, Kepper has the worst save percentage of any keeper in the league. Not just that. If you take except the, Bravo, probably no of any keeper in the league. Wow. If you take the top seven leagues in the UK, you have 132 keepers. He ranks 127th. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And when you think that the Chelsea team is a young team that's kind of learning and making mistakes. If your keeper's doing that, it's not helping. I mean, he's, 72 a, he's a young keeper. Right? million pounds. Yeah. He's a young keeper, so maybe you give him a chance and people are saying, mm. you know, De Gea was a bit the same. And he was, and I, I don't really rate De Gea, and we'll yeah. go on to that in a minute. But I I just, he's, he's a keeper that gives me no confidence. And if I was playing at the back for Chelsea, I'd look back and I'd go, oh God. Like, and the goal this morning, Bellerin's goal this morning was a prime example. I'm like, just shift over a bit, mate. You could see yeah. it happening, yeah. like, it was a pea roller from Bellerin yeah. on his swinger, and you know, you know, as soon as he's cut in, it was he'd either go down the outside, and then as soon as he saw he'd cut in, he should have been shifting across because Bellerin was only could only go one place, which it was, was a far uh, corner. He should never have been beaten in that spot, and then he didn't even die. Schoolboy by the defence too; they should never let him cut in. Like it, it, yes. it's, it's obvious what he's going to do. Yeah, I mean, you can it, see why because his left foot is a complete swing. Well, so there's there's no. That goal was a travesty. Arsenal, sorry, well, I guess we'll naturally move on, move on yeah, to that yeah, game when yeah. we're discussing goalkeepers. But that game, Arsenal had two shots. 
yeah. and, and scored, they drew two and all with Chelsea. Scored two goals. Yeah. Chelsea had um uh, man looks at 19, 19 <laughs> shots, eight of them were on target. Like yeah. that is from a Chelsea perspective, that is a disgrace. You you had every opportunity to win that game. But and I, you didn't. Do you think that they stick uh Chelsea should stick with Kepper. Like, what do you do when you spend seventy odd million on a keeper? You've got to, isn't that? And and when he's young, he's twenty four, twenty five, so he's got ten years in him. There's some good bits about him. He's obviously got the attributes and he's tall, but he just doesn't command your box. But that's exactly what De Gea used to not do when he was younger. Is he wasn't able to own the area? Does he do that now? Like, uh, I, yes. I, I watched. I've never really liked De Gea. Like yeah. I think he's a good shot stopper, and he did. He went through a spell where he just was winning your games. Like he, that, that's bizarre. Yeah. Like a couple of seasons ago, yeah. it was just amazing. But I still don't think he's great at commanding his box, and he's liable to make a mistake. I mean, there's been stats that have come up this year that you know his uh, in terms of which keepers. Direct mistakes have led to goals. De Gea's top of that statistic, but I got so irate in this in the Liverpool game with the um, it was Van Dijk. Yeah. Uh, so it's disallowed goal. VAR disallowed goal. Um, so he's come. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah he's jumped. Yeah. You know, it's typical protected species yeah. goalkeeper one. There was very little in it, but it was so soft. Like he's a big guy. Yes, Van Dyke's massive. But that's a foul every could, time. He, he, no, but it was the way that he came to try and claim it, and then the it was. But, it, but that's no, no, just no. That, that, just me it was it was <laughs> so weak. But it was just, so you want your goalkeeper to give you confidence, and when they come for the ball, they should come for the ball with confidence to either claim it. Or punch it. Yeah. He came for it like a moist flannel and flopped all over Van Dyke. Now, if I was that referee, I would not even have given that as a, as a foul because of how weak the hair was. And then the worst <laughs> okay, thing was no, the way he chased, chased the referee and then got so mad about it. I'm like, mate, this shouldn't even be an issue because he should have just caught the ball. Okay, my response. Jamie yep. Vardy's running through on goal. He gets touched by a defender. He goes down. Penalty. If it happens to a player out on the park, you're running at the pace, something you get touched by someone, you're told to go down. Goalkeeper in a six-yard box gets hit. He goes up. He's looking at the ball, goes up. If you get touched by a big bloke, go down. You win yeah, the yeah I get game. it. I get it. It's always a foul. I, so, I don't, so, I, he's good. He's, so it's not anything to do with how strong he is or how weak he is. He's just gone down because it's a foul. And I'll, no, just, but, I'll just register this, that, that this is the, one of the few instances where VAR actually makes a uh, a decision less pernickety yeah. because e- every previous year that would have been a foul without question yeah. but actually it went to VAR to double check that it was and this is the this is one of those few instances where VAR does not g- what it's doing is the opposite to what we hate about VAR it's going well actually was it a foul because uh, trust me every other year in my whole football fandom yeah, yeah. it would be just be a foul without blinking you go oh well protected species it's the same as you did I didn't make your voice I made just generic old grumpy man voice which is yeah. very very similar to your voice um <laughs> but however this year they actually checked and go well actually was that officially a foul which actually makes me think that there'll be less of a protected species as, as goalkeepers going I, I mean I, I, I agree with you it gets given as a foul every week yeah. I don't necessarily think there was a huge amount in it and I don't like that it's given as fouls because goalkeepers have the advantage of being able to use their arms use yeah. their arms and yeah. go bigger and they should oh, just totally claim the agree. ball but I don't think it sets a good example for your team when your keeper comes like that to claim the football and rely on the fact that they're going to get a free kick and I'll tell you a keeper that would not do that on the other 
other end of the pitch is Allison. Now, yeah. what Allison does very well, he's like to me, he's less flashy than say an Edison. Yeah. But he's solid. But then he's also got great distribution. So he's kind of like you know seven and a halfs yeah. in all the goalkeeping attributes. But we'll give you that ev- every, every week. But and I just think to me, people talk about De Gea as one of the best keepers in the history of the Premier League, yeah. and I think that that is why I'd never put him in that bracket because I think he's he's still a bit flaky. Yes, he's a great shot stopper, but I just see that and I'm like, I want confidence from my keeper and I don't get that from De Gea. I, I, oh, sorry, John, I'm going to jump in. You're chomping at the bit for this one. <laughs> I think he is a good shot stopper, but he's a, he's a better reactive keeper. Mm-hmm. So with very minimal uh, notice, he is a very good reaction shot stopper. Mm-hmm. When he has time to think... He often makes a mistake. Yeah. We talk about the amount of errors that, that he gives away. That that's a regular occurrence for the last two, three seasons at United, where people go, "Oh, he doesn't usually give away these errors." And how many times have you heard a stat? Oh, you know, he's given away more errors in the first five games he did the whole season last yeah. year. That's got worse and worse as the seasons go by. His his quick cat-like reactions make him incredibly impressive. But what he doesn't do is that he's, he's not a modern keeper. His distribution isn't good, yeah. and the ethos is on all positions of the pitch. If you can only do one thing, you're not good enough. If yeah. a left back is only a left back, you are not good enough. If a centre yeah. forward yeah. can only play. A, a, you know, a number nine, you yeah. are not good enough for, for modern football. And I would yeah, say De Gea, De Gea, five years ago, six years ago, he was good enough because he wasn't required to do something different. Right now, he could not play a pass like Alisson played to, no to Salah. Yeah. And that's because Alisson can do two things and yeah. that is good enough. He's yeah. got a pretty good understudy as well. Romero? No. Yeah. The guy, your guy is out on loan. Oh, Dean Henderson, who's yeah. at Sheffield United, he's <laughs> yeah, doing really well. Great. Yeah, he's only 21. So, <laughs> But our other actual understudy is Romero, who drove into a tree and crashed his car this week. So. <laughs> Was it an Alfa Romero? <laughs> Possibly, <laughs> yes. Um, but he's still Argentina number one, having been the sub. I want to, one last thing I want to talk about on goalkeepers, and this is kind of moving the story a little bit to the Arsenal-Chelsea game this morning. Um, actually, well, kind of. The media has perspectives of people. So Arteta's come in. I mentioned this last week. Mm. The media kind of decides that Arteta's brilliant and we love him. Ancelotti, oh, he's a bit old. He's got no hope at Everton. Arteta has won one game as Arsenal manager. Ancelotti's won three at Everton. Everton have he's, won only, he's only lost a game against Man City. Four. Yes, he's only lost against Man City and should have won this morning. Yeah. But the perspective is, oh, Arteta's doing a really good job, but actually not getting the results. And in relation to goalkeepers, this week... Everyone has gone on about how good Nick Pope was for Burnley against... Um, who did they play on Saturday? I can't remember. I can't see it. Oh, they beat Leicester 2-1. That's right. So they came from a goal down. He saved a Vardy penalty. And they're all like, oh, Nick Pope, he's really good. He should be England number one. Yeah, definitely should be England number one. He's way better than Pickford. A week ago, Nick Pope stood in goal and literally did that movement where you go to catch a ball and his arms went across himself <laughs> and he missed it and it went in the net. If he was num- England number one last week and he'd done that, everyone would have vilified him Yeah. and Pickford might have done something quite good this week and everyone would go, oh yeah, he's the guy. The media is so quick to go, oh, he's made one mistake because he's England number one, get him out. Pope does one good thing get him in and it really pisses me off it's fashion John the thing that I feel good about though with England at the moment is I think some of our managers in recent history 
that might have bothered them. Whereas I actually think that Southgate, it won't bother him at all. He won't base it on that. He'll go with what he, yeah. you know, I think there's enough sample size now to know that he's got a clear idea of how he wants England to play and how John he, Pickford's the best and at how playing the way he wants. Players. Yeah. And I think Pickford is and important to Pope's, the way England play. But that's what annoys me about it is no one's actually thinking about the argument. Pope's got crap distribution, plays in Burnley, which is the easiest team to be a goalkeeper in the league. Because they let everything have so many shots. Yes, yeah, everything's yeah. set up to protect you. That's what mm. they do. The whole 11 players is set up to protect you. So it just frustrates me the way media jumps on bandwagons of stories and doesn't actually step back and go, who's the best? Pickford's way better than Pope. So then let's, let's move on to your, your comment about Arteta, right? Yeah. And the media's perception of Arteta. Now, do you... Th- I mean, we just read out the stats for the Arsenal-Chelsea game. Is that a sign of Arteta ball? Is that a sign of the next pep? They literally had two shots. <laughs> One of them was a penalty. They conceded possession all over the pitch. And in honesty, they, both of those goals that Arsenal scored this morning were were a travesty, really. The, the defensive mismatch that gave away the penalty is a fucking oh, calamity. I, you know, I, I loved some things in football this week. I loved seeing Man United lose. That was that's always makes me happy, and especially Liverpool, because it means more when they lose yeah. to Liverpool, so that was great. <laughs> the goal... That Arsenal gave away this morning made me so happy. I, when I watched the, I, I read it and then I couldn't like watch the replay yeah. straight away, so I had to wait a little bit. So I had like, a couple of hours of anticipation before it, the highlights came up on uh, Optus Sport. Yeah, and then I watched it and I was like, "Oh, this is brilliant!" It's like, you know, if you imagined a team with Mustafi and Luis playing as centre back, and then tried to concoct. A scenario <laughs> where they might give away a goal. This was it. It was like the dream, like Mustafi's shank <laughs> under like the most minimal pressure was so bad, and it was kind of like you almost saw it coming. Like, he's not. He's not. Is he? He's not going to do this. And then, and then Luis just is. What am I going to do in this scenario? You could sort of see. He had enough time to think about it. And you could yeah. see the options going through his head. Then it's like, I'll just rugby tackle. I'll just take him down. <laughs> it's so good. It was. Yeah. Um, absolute calamity, yeah. <laughs> but that I don't know how Arsenal came out with a draw in that game. And I think that's a sign of... Because Chelsea... N'Golo Kante fell over. That's how. Well, yes. <laughs> N'Golo Kante fell over. And Kepa's crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Story over. Um, but Arsenal were basically a bit crap. They drew with Sheffield United at the weekend as well. And it's frustrating that Arteta's getting all this praise. But someone who should get praise, and partly because I brought them up last week, is Martinelli. Um, he scored two and two now. And, and he's got his chance. Well, how long is Bamiang out for? Three? Three games. Straight red. Yeah, straight red. So three games. Um, but you can't drop him if he's scoring every game. You and can for a Bamiang. Oh, but you drop Lacazette, don't you? I, like, if Lacazette hasn't scored an eight, Martinelli scored two and two. You play the guy that's scoring. No, fair enough. Fair point. Yeah, um, they 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 played Shamak, didn't they, when he was scoring? So yeah. there, there's no there's no ego. But there. Martinelli's only 18. He's got the most goals in the European top five leagues for someone his age, apart from Jade and Sancho. So he's wow. that he's is also the f- such a horrible statistic, isn't it? There's so many caveats to that statistic. <laughs> Wait, he's, that. he's a first teenager. It's like something I'd pull out my ass. The <laughs> first teenager to score over 10 goals for Arsenal since Nicholas and Elka in 1998-99. The Sulk, the incredible, the incredible Sulk. sulk yeah. oh, but it's kind of hard because I, I really like Bamiang and I like watching him play and he's really good. But I, 
want to see Martinelli play. And I'm like, there's no way they can fit uh, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Ozil and Martinelli yeah. and, and Pepe. Pepe all in the same can team. I, can I just ask which your favourite era of Nicholas Nelka was? Like, what, Bolton. What? Bolton. Bolton. Yeah. I was going to say Bolton. <laughs> Excellent because he looked kind of miserable. Yeah, but still had his gloves on. He still had his gloves on, but was brilliant. It played was amazing. in an awful team. Yeah, was Big Sam still the manager yeah, at that yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. It's like, how the hell did you get Nicholas and Elka? Like, with big bloody gravy boat Sam going Nicola. I'm like, mate, that no one's buying that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was a good game this morning, but just carnage. Um, let's move on to some other teams that are in the top four. Leicester. Um, and maybe choking they well, lost to Burnley look uh, uh, one thing I hate but I'm going to talk about is expected goals oh it's the worst have you been he- about hearing this stuff about expected goals you or, know, um, XG XG as they call it XG oh, God. well XG for those who don't watch cable TV is the amount of times you get in the uh, the opponent's box or the clear sh- there's an algorithm that sits behind yeah. the opportunity that's presented itself and yeah. they do that on average per game and they they judge your actual goals versus your xg they go well if your xg who is, came out with xg uh, i just want to shoot so I, just, fucked, I really yeah. don't like it we yeah. survived without it and hopefully we will again yeah. um but you know the the algorithm is it if your xg is above your actual goals then you will eventually improve and do better yeah. if you're and vice versa if your yeah. xg is below your actual goals i remember at the beginning of the season when leicester were flying absolutely flying vardy was scoring every week i met i remember just hearing some prick on a podcast which is what <laughs> people are probably thinking about <laughs> us right now just talk about just do nothing but talk about their xg and go oh but you know their xg it's just so low it's not going to last this leicester side it's not going to last look at their xg you can't argue with xg <laughs> remember thinking actually you can shut up but like, oh, turn you off and yeah. listen to some politics i got james uh, hardy oh, oh xg xg <laughs> so <laughs> actually now i look at what's happening now like Oh, maybe that little prick on a podcast was, was <laughs> Maybe I should have paid attention to the XG back then and put some money on it. But um, I think they're slightly, but it's funny that it's kind of choking. Well, but like sometimes I don't think they're, I don't think they're choking. I think they're still having a. You look at where they are; they're still having a great season based on their they're still eleven their, their, points off their it. squad. But I think we talk about you talk about XG, and sometimes stats are just a like. It, it, it's going to sound my... really stupid, but like stats obviously are a way of presenting what's happening. <laughs> but you can talk about it without stats as well. And it's kind of like, I think in this game, for instance, Leicester missed some chances. We know they missed Correct, a penalty. Yeah, yeah. And then I also think that not having Wilfred Ndidi as the shielding player yeah. um, is a massive miss. I think he is this so far this season been the best player in the league in that position yeah. and we've seen it become a absolutely critical position in the Premier League over the last few years since Kante you know uh, yeah. dominated for Leicester and I, I I just think without him there the you know they probably are giving up one or two more chances to the opposing team just because he's not there I agree and the one thing that Leicester will enjoy is the fact that by the time this shed is released they'd have had a nice cushy home game against West Ham do you reckon they might choke? No. No? You don't choke against West Ham. You're either as bad as they are, or you win. Yes, they're, they're the only two yes. options. <laughs> yes. And I don't, I don't see them being that bad. Um, just quickly on tomorrow morning's games, this is obviously pointless talking about them because they'll be out. This will be out just after they've all happened. But Spurs are playing Norwich. I really want Norwich to win. 
that I just love it if Norwich beat I just Spurs. feel like things are already... I was talking to a Spurs fan today and he's still quite enthusiastic about Mourinho and saying, you know, he needs a chance. And I'm, you know, he's telling me this and I'm like, I just, no. I, I don't believe it. Like, I think Mourinho's, you know, the time that it takes Mourinho to implode is getting less and less the longer he's a manager. And I can already see it happening and I'm actually quite quite looking forward to it happening at Spurs. And it could be, it's three games without scoring a goal now. Yeah, like it's nil-nil with Watford. It's not... Funny, I, I, for the first time in, in my life, I think I felt sorry for Mourinho this week. No. His dog died. Do you know his dog died? <laughs> Don't care. His dog died, right? He probably, feel, ki- he probably killed it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for someone when their dog dies, because that's sad. Yeah, but then sad. I, when I was thinking, well, you lived in a hotel for three years. Yeah, what did the dog do? Well, the dog, where was the dog? <laughs> like, like, dogs don't live in probably hotels. Probably had his own hotel room, maybe. You can't bloody take a hotel. Dog well, to a hotel. Unless you smuggled it in like last week. Tell you where's he smuggled a dog? It's my hotel like... every day. <laughs> every day when I got home. <laughs> smuggled him out for a shit, smuggled him back up the lift. You should call Jose about oh, smuggling dear. dogs. Yeah. Um, Give him some advice. I'm going to open it up to the floor. Do we want to talk about mid table obscurity or relegation chaos? I think relegation, relegation chaos. chaos. Um, well, where do you want to start? Well, we've spent a bit of time talking about Bournemouth. And yes. this week, uh, some accounts have been released. So we've spoken about, firstly, to, to, to preface this, Bournemouth is Eddie Howe, right? Yes. We've They were, what, he took over when they were in the rele- relegation zone in League, league two, 2. Yeah, yeah we two. talked about this last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no one wants to hear it, hear it bang. So, but I, I think because of that, more so than any other club in the Premier League, no exaggeration, their accounts can be uh, tracked back to Eddie Howe. He yeah. makes decisions in that club. It is an old school football club where the manager is the manager and we yeah. know that, right? Information came out this week about how their money is spent and have you seen that 85% of their television money goes on wages? Whoa. That's huge. 85%. If they go down, that club is gone. Yeah, what, where, who are they, who, who... <laughs> Who were they paying that much money? Not just that, but when you look at some of the other um, the other things, you know, they spent twenty million pounds on Dominic Solanke. He's on good money. Yeah. Jordan Ibe, they spent fifteen million pounds yeah. on, and he's training with the reserves. Yeah. So there has been some financial mismanagement at Bournemouth that makes their situation sitting there in eighteenth in, in the Premier League absolutely perilous. Because when they go down, which I think is an inevitability, what they've done is they have invested their money in. Remember, we, we spoke year? last week. Do you think it's inevitability this year? Well, I've got a feeling that there's big win for them this morning. When you, yeah, there is, and I'm sorry because I've not ever been a, a man who gets paid a hundred thousand pounds a week. <laughs> but but there would be a feeling if you pay Jordan Ibe a hundred thousand pounds a week, it, it's a Jack Rodwell syndrome. Yeah. If you go down, he's going to go. Well, I'm good enough to stay in the Premier League. So fuck you, Bournemouth. Yeah. Uh, so and wait, and also just sit on my wage. Yeah, just sit on my wage. So they. More than anyone else in that position, you'd say Watford, Norwich, the, the, Aston Villa, Brighton, Burnley are in a solid financial state to go down and come back up again. If Bournemouth go down, they will implode as a business. Without yeah. the Premier League television money, 85% of their wage bill will not be covered. Yeah, parachute payments aren't yeah. going to help. That. No way. No, I think you're spot on. I think they're in a real pickle. They did get the win this morning, um, and Callum Wilson scored for the first time in 35 years. Um, but... At the weekend, their centre back, is it Steve Cook? Yeah, made possibly the save. Talking of goalkeepers, oh yes, he this should be brilliant. in goal. He should be in goal. It was what the, happened there? It's one of the best saves ever. He gets a, a straightaway red card, but it was brilliant. Do you think the so, guy so on the line? For those who haven't seen it, just explain what happened, John. So I 
can't remember exactly how the scenario's happened, but the keeper's obviously not in the goal, um, and a guy's gone to have a shot, and Cook's the last man between the shot and the goal, and so he's dived at full stretch, stuck his right arm in the air, and tipped it over the um, bar, and it's a brilliant Well, save. the best bit was he was on the floor, so that he was kind of lying, actually lying prostrate on the floor, because the... Somebody had had a, uh, the keeper had come out, somebody had had a shot, and then the ball then rebounded to another player. Rebounded? Rebounded. Rebounded. <laughs> to another player, that's what I said. I just no, no, said you, said, you said rebounded. Rebound, rebounded. <laughs> Rebound. Same, same deal. Um, and so he'd sort of jumped in to try and block the shot, so he yeah. was down on the ground, and it was a mix, so he dived. Rebounded. Dived. <laughs> dived, like, up yeah. and out. And at full stretch, got his fingertips to it. It was brilliant. But the thing was, then I'm like, hold on. There's a guy actually running back that was on the line that might and have got there and been able to head it. If, if It's a stupid thing to do because you give away a penalty, you get sent off, you concede a goal. The other way, you just concede a goal. Just let him score. It's okay. instinct. Though, okay, no, it, really? look. So I, this, as soon as I watched this, you know, the first thing I thought of, it was the conversation we had last week about the last man making a challenge and scything him down in the... Oh, the real... No, but you, the, you do it when it does not lead to a penalty. No, 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 you do I, it every I, time. I understand, I understand. But the first thought in my head was, remember we were saying, wouldn't it be nice if they just thought, fuck it, and rugby tackled them <laughs> and just, just did it their own way and were like, no, yes. I'm going to accept this. When I saw him do that, I'm like, you've not even tried to yeah. make that look like you, you didn't mean it. You're no, like... Yeah. No, I'm just going to stop this in any way I possibly yeah. can and just accept my consequence. And, and he was so straight faced. Like yeah. after the you know the refs come up to him, you know, I think if that was me, I'd probably have a bit of a laugh. Or yeah, just, just go, sorry. Oh, right. But he was just like, Oop, see ya. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Bournemouth are down. Mm, I think so. Oh, but I do. I mean, I kind of like that they won because it is is so tight down there. Like I yeah. know, like we said, we could talk about the relegation. But I think the thing I'm enjoying the most is it. You know, it is so tight. They're all beating each other. You know, Watford have had a great run. We've talked about that. But I think the other thing that I'm intrigued to see from now is we know that every single year someone gets sucked in that we don't that we haven't really yeah. been talking about from relegation. So one of I think from ninth oh. down maybe could well no even higher fuck it sick <laughs> like, could get sucked like I like I, I really love I love Sheffield United and I love the way they yeah. play and it's un, if they play the way they have played to date they're not going to get sucked into it but you do worry for them because yeah. of their squad depth and if suddenly teams figure them out they could get sucked in with a terrible run what I would really love is someone like Arsenal or Spurs get sucked, yeah. get su- or, or Everton get sucked, you know, a big club gets sucked yeah. down in because I think it is that even this year in that like 10 plus teams, it's all squished up. It's not like, you know, the four or five cast adrift and then mid table obscurity. I think there's now, you know, almost 10 or 12 teams. Everyone's getting results. So even. Everyone's just picking yeah. up these results where they shouldn't. And well, because Norwich beat Bournemouth at the weekend and then Norwich plays Spurs tomorrow morning, which I've already said they're going to win. So they'll be that much closer but there is Norwich are probably gone now aren't they probably although we said that about Watford do you know uh, last thing on Watford they should have beaten Spurs at the weekend it's the first thing on Watford Rod you can start a whole conversation about Watford well but I I felt like we'd moved on but you know who was really good in this game Jordini no Jerry Delafoe what do you mean yeah no he was he was good but the uh, well the player I thought was really good um, and I uh, 
a bit of a nod to you, John, here was um, Shalababa. Nathaniel Shalaba. Nathaniel was brilliant. Yeah, and, the- you, you know, we talked about him and you, we, you talked about him a lot previously. I've, I have a feeling you tipped him for a shared award once. Two seasons ago, he was my, like, breakout player of the yeah. season. Yeah, but I saw him in this game. He's like, he is really good. And he looked like he... Would would be a useful player for Spurs. Can, can I also um, highlight some media bias? Whilst we're whilst we're really just ragging on the yeah, media here, yeah. there seems to be a very very extreme positive shift to Aston Villa. Yes, have, have you noticed that? So like when Villa pick up a result, it's like the world rejoices. You start hearing these these magical whimsical comments like, "Oh, Villa Park is a magical place to play on a cold evening with the lights on." Yeah, You're like well, um, have you been reading the Birmingham Echo? No, no, this stuff. <laughs> Is that what it's called in Birmingham? Is that what it's called? <laughs> I read the Liverpool Echo. Um, um, I just I noticed that when they pick up results, the world rejoices. It's like it's like a, a sub par yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. Like it's like well, people think... are waiting to congratulate them for being good again. And yeah, I think well, Villa are one of those old school big teams, and the FA Cup semi final was always at their ground. Yeah, yeah. At, um, where was the other one? It was always um, Sheffield Wednesday's ground, Hillsborough. Um, they, they've got this history and they won the European Cup in the 80s and they won the league and they've got so did Everton but no one bangs on about that you won the Cup Winners Cup not the so that counts nah no one cares it doesn't even exist anymore nor does the old European Cup no it's a Champions League that's not it's different isn't it it's different <laughs> different John but everyone's got this kind of yeah nostalgia about Villa being a big important club um, and I think they also like the fact that Dean Smith is a fan um, and then is now the manager of it. So they want him to do well because they like him because he's a nice guy. He's probably the next Eddie Howe, actually. Yeah, but you they look just at... um, signed a, t- a striker from Tanzania. Yeah. You can see that. And got rid of Jonathan Codger, who you talked about as their potential saviour uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. That's a big, big mistake. Yeah, ex Bristol City. He's drunk. gone to Qatar. Yeah, make some money. Yeah. More, make more money in Qatar than... The in... Middle East is definitely where you want to be chilling out right now. Um, is there anything else? Should we go on to mid-table obscurity? Uh, I did want to talk briefly about Wolves' comeback, if only again to... So which game's uh, that, sorry? Wolves, uh, Wolves beat Southampton. Mm. Southampton went 2-0 up. Southampton's been playing yes. really well. We talked about um, the Rabbit Hutch and how Southampton have been going. Um, they won again today. Um, they went 2-0 up. Wolves came back. and Wolves were terrible in the first half, and then second half were great. Um, I quite like the Nito guy. Yeah, he's only 19. Looks, looks good. But uh, Jimenez scored yes. another couple of goals. Lucky. You don't like Jimenez. No. I like him. Uh, they've played, Wolves played a lot of games this year. Uh, no other player in the Premier League has been involved in more goals for their club. So you might say it's a bit of a fraud stat. Yeah, they've, they've played, played 40 more games. games. Well, but he's got, um, been involved in 27 goals in those 40 games. 18 goals, 9 assists. Now, I would say that... He's got 18 goals this season. Good. 18 goals this season. He scored 10 in the Europa League, like, against teams. The disdain on your face, John. <laughs> <laughs> the disdain. <laughs> He's played, like, teams from Latvia that no one's ever heard of. Like, it doesn't matter. Goal's a goal. I think no. he's now scored eleven in the Premier League and seven in the Europa so League. He's, so he's the same as DCL in the Premier League. Yeah, exactly. Dominic. He's good. Calvert. Jimenez Lewin. is okay. My my do you know, my problem with Jimenez is that he's not that good. He's pretty good, and he'll put the ball in the net, but he's no better than Chris Sutton. He's just a guy that. Hey, stands... Chris Sutton was brilliant when Blackburn won the Premier League. <laughs> well, exactly. Shearer and Sutton. But he's actually crap, and <laughs> and so is Jimenez. He's quite good 
He'll never make it a top four club. He's just kind of stands there, does a little bit, doesn't. He plays do the Chicharito role not as well as Chicharito. Yeah, Chicharito joined LA Galaxy this week. I saw, I saw. Yeah, whilst we're talking about um, mid-table obscurity, which is, which is actually a, a dogfight in there because everyone in there Wait, feels like. Did you like... say Chicharito just because he's Mexican? Because I think they're very different players. No, I say that he he tries to play that role, but with less. Because um, Chicharito never left, never left the box, and he definitely yeah, would, he never he, scored from outside the box. He, he never, certainly did leave never the box. get an assist. Like he, I think Jimenez is much more about a target man and bringing people into it. Was Chicharito was a fox in the box? I think you're saying that because they're both Mexican. No, no, I, I genuinely <laughs> forgot that Raúl was Mexican. No, I thought he was Spanish. Um, I, I say that they play, play a similar role because when you watch Chicharito, he did drop deep to, to win the ball. However, he would always play it left and right and then run into the box to get on the end of the return. Yeah. So he didn't he just he didn't just stay up front. He dropped deep to win it. The thing is, he always knew that he had a better percentage chance of scoring when he... Um, Roger's looking at me like I'm a madman. Well, no, I'm also thinking... I'm just thinking about it because I also thought... I thought Chicharito was a bit crap. I never rated him, whereas, <laughs> I, whereas I do rate him in this. Oh, well, I think, I think so one's the worst version of the other. Choose, choose your poison. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to talk about Southampton a little yeah. bit, but only only a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so Southampton conceded nine goals against uh, Leicester. Yes, correct. They lost nine nil. They lost nine nil. Now we bang on about how good Sheffield United's defence is, mm-hmm. how good their goalkeeper is, and how good their centre backs yeah. are. If you take out that nine nil result, Southampton's goal difference is exactly the same. Yeah. Wow. Not only that, but if you include the 9-0 result, Southampton still have a better goal difference than Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Watford, Norwich, um, Newcastle, Burnley, despite having lost a single game (laughs) 9-0. And they should have won at the weekend because they were 2-0 up against Wolves. Absolutely right. If you're 2-0 up at home, you should win that. If they had won that game... They would have been in sixth right now. Maybe uh, you're right, Jeff. Maybe it was all a bit of a all the, all the Hollywood ploy, and they yeah. he let the nine nil on purpose to motivate the players and well, ho- Hollywood ploy, absolutely. But but when you look at where they're sitting, uh, sitting in ninth, they are just like everybody else, three points off fifth. Yeah, having a having a party up there, and actually, if you remove that result. What's happened, slow and steady at Southampton, has been incredible. Do you know, there's one other thing I want to talk about with this game in the Wolves game, which is that Shane Long scored, yeah. which is his first goal of the year, despite playing pretty much every game. Yeah. Now, every year, he's crap. and I see Shane Long, it pisses me off. Yeah, he's crap. He is so crap, though. He scored his first goal of the season. He is a striker. And this happens. This isn't a one-off, like, barren spell. This happens every year. He's probably consistent. How many games are we into the season? 25. 25. That's probably about right. That's probably about right, (laughs) Shane Long. But he's quite fast. And he he runs around a lot. He's just... He runs... But I'm like... I reckon you could go several tiers down in English football and find a player that is identical to Shane Long <laughs> yeah. that is quite quick, runs around a lot, but can't finish for shit. Yeah. And you could exchange them and there would be know. no change to the Southampton <laughs> team. So how does he get a game every single week? I don't know. Oh. Um, one last team. crap. He's so crap. So crap. Um... One last team we should go on. So mid-table obscurity is four points between 5th and 13th. One team right smack bang in the middle there, one near the bottom there, is Everton, Jeff. Oh, Jeff's a result this morning. So this morning you guys were 2-0 up in the 92nd minute? Yeah, it was 93 on the clock before we conceded the first goal. Um, and you managed to draw 2-all to Newcastle with yes. two injury time uh, 
goals conceded. First thing, Moise Ken scored and looked good. Looked really good. Uh, and not just his finish, which was okay. To be honest, he could have put it left and right and he yeah. went through the goalkeeper's legs. Absolutely fine. But his first goal, so just get it in. Great move. Great move. Um, but it was his hold-up play. So mm. when you watch that game, the energy he... Uh, under Silva, I didn't see any of that energy. I saw a showbater. He has he was a buzzard. Like he mm. was in everyone's face. He was all elbows. His 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 hold up play was he was big and strong. Essentially did what Richarlison would have done in that position. But then scored a goal. So one thing I didn't like is his celebration was a bit cocky. I'm like that's your first goal. No, but just- I actually like that because mm. I think because most. Um, players in that position he's a striker it's taken him a while he'd just be it'd be relief more than anything but I quite it was super cocky yeah but, but, but happy yeah, and I yeah. like that because I kind of I was a bit worried I, I really want to see him do well I mm. mean as much as anything just as a big fuck you to all the horrible racists in Italy yeah. Like, yeah. I just want, it's <laughs> yeah. just a guy that I want to see achieve in football and show yeah. that he's a really good footballer and but I I saw that and I felt glad because I thought he you know, as a young player, his experience so far in English football, I think, could knock your confidence. And that actually made me, when he scored that, I'm like, okay. Good on you. Good yeah. on you. Yeah. And Hell maybe yeah. it hasn't knocked your confidence. And maybe that says something about him. And not, what I hope now is that that happens, the first one goes in, and all of a sudden, you know, the floodgates you start, happen, yeah. Yeah, start scoring. And I think Ancelotti's obviously helped there. Whether of course, it's, we speak it's Italian. Country, it's, it's, yeah. um, a couple of other things about that game. Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored again. And a good goal. And a, an actual goal. Yeah. Not, not a scrappy not finish. Knee. And, but it wasn't just his goal. If you watch the game, the way that bloke contributes to a game of football is phenomenal. Were we playing 4-4-2? Playing 4-4-2. Yeah. Ever, ever since Duncan Ferguson had his first game, it was 4-4-2. Ancelotti came in. It's a... It's a four-three-three in defense. Yeah. Sorry, four-four-two in defense, four-three-three in attack. Where's yeah. Bernard? So he plays on the left. I was, I've been um, the last few games. I've been quite impressed. And, with and the the interesting thing for Bernard is that Digne plays so high that Bernard is able to cut inside, mm. and a, a a short, low center of gravity, tricky, close control player like Bernard is most effective in an area of the pitch where where actually you require someone who is tricky, who plays close balls, who, who passes. So if he's out wide trying to cross in the ball, you're you're losing the 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 advantage you get by having a player like Bernard. So playing him on the same side as Luca Luca Digne means that Digne overlaps and Bernard cuts inside. So it's actually quite interesting to watch on the left side for Everton. Um, but Dominic Calvert-Lewin's work rate is exceptional. His his link-up play, you can see it on the first goal, his 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 flick-on was 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 very impressive. But watching him in the second half, we spoke about him having every attribute you need as a centre forward apart from being able to score goals. This year, he's got eleven Premier League goals. Yeah. So when do we turn around and go? Okay, he is. Get, don't answer this question because not yet. The answer is not yet. However, we've got to look at it and go. There is a good player in there. I was going to answer it with, I'm still not sure about Harry Kane. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> One season wonder. That's exactly right. But I, I just want to, the last thing I'll say on this game is um, I was really waiting for Ancelotti's comments afterwards. So I was thinking, okay, I don't know how, as a manager, you manage this. I don't know what message you give to your players because obviously a fucking capitulation like that in the last few minutes to go, yeah. what do you do? Do you go in, do you read the right act? What do you do? Like, how do you do it? As a manager of people yeah. in my job, what do you, what would I have done in this situation? And yeah. I was really interested. And he came out in the interview afterwards and he said, my team played exceptionally well for 90 minutes. He goes, football's crazy. He goes, I lost the Champions League final when I was 3-0 up. Oh, of course, to Liverpool. And I thought, 
you're done. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely, you could stand there in the, in the dressing room and go, you know, sometimes you can be the better team for 90 minutes and football will throw these things out and then turn around and go, I literally lost the Champions League final when I was 3-0 up. Don't beat yourselves up about it. Just move and, on to the next one. leave the room. Yeah. And, and, and like, sometimes well, that wouldn't be the right thing to say if it was... If it wasn't true. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think that what happened this morning was people will probably say, oh, poor game management. You know, it shouldn't happen. But I watched both those Newcastle goals. A centre-back scored an overhead. Yeah, but they were both weird. They were both goals were like pinball goals. They're weird, yeah. uh, Weird goals. And I... I do kind of feel like, a, you know, nine times out of ten, both those goals, the ball pinballs somewhere else and it gets cleared. It just yeah. so happened that in this game, both were goals. Yeah. But I, it doesn't take away from the fact that for the majority of the game, Everton played very well. For 93 I, minutes, Everton and I, were And, and, and I agree, you said it side. earlier, I think Ancelotti... Well, I, was, I was a bit unsure and I still am a little bit unsure about how the Ancelotti and Ferguson dynamic is... Yeah. necessarily going to work just because of such different characters but I definitely think that since Ancelotti's come in that Everton look a much more structured they look coherent. team yeah. completely different side and um, as you said in the beginning they've only lost one game and that was to Manchester City and before that they were dropping results all over the place don't get me wrong still dropping points should have beat West Ham last week should have won this morning yeah. however but it's turning into should have won, but drawing, but drawing rather than going should have won but lost. Yeah, yeah. And you're um, winning your home games. Like I know you didn't yeah. today. We'll, we'll call it a win, shall we? Um, Rog, you've got thirty seconds for a championship update. Uh, okay, Leeds, West Brom, choking. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on, sorry. Leeds, West Brom are choking. Yes. So we all thought they were gone into the distance. They're not. It's going to squeeze up. The magic of the championship will continue and Bristol City will find a way to get into the top two. <laughs> uh, Michael O'Neill is working wonders at Stoke. Stoke were gone. So he's the guy who used to be Northern Ireland, well, still, still is, is Northern Ireland manager. Yeah. yeah. So essentially, I mean, they still haven't been great, but they were a basket case. Since he's come in, their form's about 10th. So he's yeah. won, you know, um, I think he's won about 50% of his games, yeah. which is... You know, right. generally would, would do all right, yeah. um, and I think the ways and it's improving. And they, they, the reason I bring that up partly is because they just beat West Brom at the weekend, um, and so I, it just I find it strange that there wasn't anyone else that was in for him. I think he's a really good manager, and someone could have taken a, a risk on him. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't listening. Who are you banging on about? Michael, Michael O'Neill, ex Northern, well, current Northern Ireland manager who's taken over. At Stoke. Oh yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just. It is the usual throw a blanket over about 12 teams. I think Leeds and West Brom are the, the best teams. Fulham are also their third yeah. now, and they've been in and Brentford look lately. Really good. And Brentford look really good. I yeah. think I think the, the three best teams in the league are, are yeah. Fulham, West Brom and Leeds. So I think the top two will come from those three teams. I just A little bit of me kind of wants Leeds to um, you know, implode yeah. just because... Because <laughs> it's because it's Leeds, but I I really want to see Bielsa in the Premier League. Mm. I do. So well, that's I, it. Yeah, yeah. I think I my really... Bielsa's in the Premier League dream is bigger than my anti Leeds. Yeah, yeah, agree. I, although I have um, people of my age can look back on Leeds United without the same animosity that people who are older than me have. Yeah. So if you are in your 40s, mid 40s, late 40s, you look back on the 60s, 70s, dirty, successful Leeds. If you're in your late 30s, you look back on Leeds and you remember the the Champions League run. Yeah. You remember the Vadukas, the Alan Smiths, the the Kules. The fish tank. And and, yeah, the fish tank. Yeah. And and that, 
that fills me with this kind of feeling of nostalgia. So I kind of feel that I want Leeds to go up to rekindle that feeling. And Tony I, and Bella. Don't get me wrong, I don't support yeah. Leeds, but but there's a feel it rekindles my yeah. my, my young footballing fandom that I, I want to experience. They should again. be in the Premier League. Don't get me wrong, I, we're going to get here next year, they'll be in the Premier League, Everton will lose away in Ellen Road, and I'll go, fuck you, Leeds, back you go. <laughs> dirty, dirty, <laughs> dirty Leeds. Dirty Leeds. Um, does anyone have any side stories? Yeah. Go on then, Rog. Uh, well, we were talking about goalkeepers. Uh, Roberto from West Ham. Oh, yes. He's gone on uh, loan to Alaves. Signed to be their replacement uh, for Flapiansky yeah. this year. Uh, yeah, gone on loan to Alaves. Has there been a worse spell as a goalkeeper in Premier League history? Maybe Massimo Taibi. Oh, yeah, he was pretty bad. Ex Perugia. There you go. Yeah, okay. That's a good, really good answer. <laughs> it was just ingrained in my notebook. Really, fancy. really bad, Roberto. So I was interested to see that he'd gone. Oh, no, when Joe Hart went to Burnley. Oh, yeah, that was crap. That was quite bad. Yeah, it was really, it was a really bad spell. Got... Uh, the other one I just wanted to say at uh, <laughs> the weekend, uh, Haaland. I think we've got to mention oh, that. Oh, yes. For Dortmund. Alfie Haaland's son, whose uh, name I can never remember. Early. Dortmund were 3 1 down, and he then scored a 20. Three minute hat trick and they won five three. What is it a bit weird that no one else was in for him? Like Dortmund are a big club, but they're not a really big club. Man United room for him and refused to pay his agent fees of ten million, which it's a lot of money to pay a man who just turns up and goes sign this guy. Mino Riolo, like you keep sweet because he's always got them. Yes, but is it him? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, but, I hate that guy. Yeah, they're all gross. <laughs> they're all fat too. They all eat a lot of KFC. It was 22 million for the player and 10 million for the agent. And we refused to pay the agent fee. Is that all? Just pay the was money. Was it 30 million? Surely it's more than 30 million. 32 million for the You can't deal. get a Davy Glasson for that. That is nothing. This He could be like, he's he could be a 10 year striker of one of the best well, strikers in Europe. I, we spoke about it, I think, a couple of weeks ago when you weren't here when he, he actually signed. And I said, we guarantee Man United will pay ninety million for him in two years' time. Yeah. <laughs> you won't get him for ninety million. Well, I probably won't. No, it's already too late. Coutinho yes. cost one hundred and thirty. You won't get him for ninety million. But I was just a bit surprised. And I, I, I don't think Dortmund will win the league this year. Um, but gee, they're an exciting team to watch. Like, you never quite know what you're going to get. But they're, they're and great. And Sancho, yeah, great going forward. And and again, and young. Dortmund always invest in their playing squad to sell. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm well, sorry if that sounds Germany like Germany because it's a monkey league. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a monkey league, and there's there's a dominant powerhouse in that league that will always be, the status quo will never be challenged really because of the the backing mm. buy and have. So so Dortmund invests heavily in young players that will get on pitch value to sell them to Bayern. God, that's depressing. Yeah. Although Bayern might not win the league this year, it's really if you want to watch some different football this week. Do you really believe league? that? Oh yeah, they're like third at the moment. Mont Gladbach Black are top yeah, of the league. Yeah, I know. And Leipzig are going well, yeah. and, but I just feel like eventually. No. Yeah, see, you, you know, Adam. Oh, I told you this a few weeks ago. Lukman's not getting a game at um, Leipzig. Leipzig. Yeah. yeah, might get a Newcastle on loan. Great. Um, Jeff, do you have any side stories? No, no. I've no. got a couple. Um, another European football one. Just that Lazio are on fire in Italy at the moment. Um, they've won eleven in a row. Wow. Uh, Immobile. Immobile scored 23 in 19 games. He's really Holy good. crap. Um, and they're third in the league now and only three points off the top. And Who's top? Juve. And then, and then Inter, Inter a second. Yeah. Um, Can you tell me how Aaron Ramsey's doing? 
Injured, always. Oh. <laughs> uh, Ronaldo scored seven games in a row. Yeah. yeah. You, see, uh, sorry, you see Messi scored 500 goals in 500 games? Yeah, ridiculous. Wow. For, for those who don't have their calculator, mm-hmm. that is a goal a game. Um, a my lot. other side yeah. story, I might need to refer to an article, but this is about a football club called Flat Earth FC. Oh, God. Oh, here we go. Please tell me it's tongue-in-cheek. No, they play in the Spanish fourth division. So this guy, Javi Povez, was a promising young footballer. He played for Sporting Gijon in the Liga, so the Premier Division. Played yeah. one game and then retired and went, I don't like football. I don't like the capitalism. Played one game? One game. Single game? One single game. And then retired that season and went, no, I don't like it. Went off travelling, doing other stuff. Whatever. Retired is a strong word for that. Yeah. Well, it says here he retired that summer, 23 years old. Quit. Um, to quit when you're 23 yeah. <laughs> I didn't retire for my last job <laughs> um, and he kind of floated around a bit and then he became president of this team that are in the 6th or 7th tier um, and also plays a bit part time for them they've gradually gone up and then last year he decided as they got into the professional leagues they needed a reband, rebrand and he renamed the team Flat Earth FC um, and their mascot's an astronaut what that's a true story. What is the... So is, yeah, come on. Like, I thought this was all going to be about Flat Earth. What, what is the link between an astronaut and Flat Earth? Surely, um, of, of all the things... Give me a minute here. Of all the things to piece together, if you are a Flat Earther, you should probably be avoiding astronauts. Football is... The, this is his quote. Football is the most popular sport and has the most impact worldwide. So creating a club dedicated to the Flat Earth movement is the best way to have a constant presence in the media. So... He's a flat earther. Uh, oh, again, gosh. idiot. Astronauts can see the Earth yes. is round. Yes. But they didn't really they haven't really gone into space, Jeff. Fake news. Oh fake news. Yeah. It should be the flat ball FC. Flat Earth FC is the first football club whose followers are united by the most important thing, which is an idea. Oh fuck. Fourth division. Yep, they're in the fourth division. And, and, and here we were sitting here just like bagging on Forest Green for being vegan. Look at these blokes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Flat Earth FC, there's a whole video about them. So can you only play if you're a... Flat Earther. Flat Earther. I have no idea, God. but I would not play. I feel well. like there'd be a herd of goats <laughs> to watch that game. <laughs> and then afterwards... Those goats get a good So what, they got promoted? <laughs> <laughs> what? Those goats get a good seed. Well, you know, they sort of. I feel like it's some weird, like, little Spanish outpost. <laughs> <laughs> they all fucking go. Well, that's what happens in out the way. But he was the Brazilian player. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. With the wobbly legs. Yeah. Grincha. What did Grincha do? Lost his vision. He's over Because it was the only thing he could find. Was it consenting? Yeah, well, easy. He said it's quite common in countryside of Brazil because there's not many people around. So you just shag a goat? Yeah. yeah. That is not right. <laughs> <laughs> that is not right. Yeah. And uh, he's, yeah, but he's like meant to be the best Brazilian football player ever. All Brazilians say he's better than Pele was. Wow. He died quite young. Oh, he no was amazing though. Like yeah. the, when he, because he had, um, he had something wrong with his legs. Yeah, bent we, we, legs. So he could do this. Do you know, I watched some of the, oh, sorry, I'm really going off yeah. sidetracking here, but uh, I watched some of the Maradona documentary on the plane to the UK. Yes. Now, unfortunately, because of the scenario I was in, I only got to watch a very small amount. But so good. What I did watch, the, you know, the footage of Maradona, 
you kind of you forget how good he was and how good a dribbler he was and it's like it's his hips and his legs he wasn't necessarily the fastest player but you watch it and you're like how does he do that he had like the way that he could move you could just you know put put a player on his ass and it does you know you could like watch the ball he'd still go past you you could watch the man he'll go past you and i don't think i've ever seen a player dribble and the ball just glued to his foot foot. this goat bloke yeah garincha garincha do you think there's a chance that the goat gave birth and there's a little <laughs> amazing goat for I mean, you'd say he's the goat. <laughs> Maybe it's Ronaldo. Who's a cheat because he's got four legs. Maybe he is Ronaldo. Maybe he's the son of a goat. The son of a fucked goat. A butt-fucked goat. No, you don't get, you don't get <laughs> you a baby if it's in the bum. Yes. Yeah, maybe just a... Let's move on to the end games. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, love. It's contraception up the bums. It's gone down a bad, bad Move on. Quiz. It's the end game. Yeah, end game. So, this is the game where each week we pick a game and the other two people have to name the teams that played that day. I've had a terrible recent run. Terrible. Jeff, you've been on an awful run. Currently the scores are Roger on five, I'm on four, you're on four as well, Jeff. I won last week, so I pick the game. And this week's game is because Arsenal drew Chelsea with Chelsea two all this morning. It's the last time Arsenal drew with Chelsea two all. Okay. And that was on the fourth of January, twenty eighteen. January. Recent history. You always go with the month. What would like who? Because it's whether it's pre or post transfer window. Oh, okay. Can you nice. tell us the managers? The managers were Arsene Wenger. Whoa! In eighteen. Yeah. Has he only been? January 2018. Okay. To a 17-18 season. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just stick to fucking goats. Yeah. Uh, and and the Conte was the manager of Chelsea. The game was two all. And Jeff, because you're crap, you can go first. Jorginho. No, he hadn't gone there by then. I thought Conte signed it as his first signing. No, no. no it was Sarri. Oh, you're fucking kidding me. <laughs> You are kidding me. Can we no, go again? Well, Rog has to get one right to oh, win. Oh, yeah. Rog. Get it wrong intentionally so we can get this game going. Uh, Drogba. Drogba, Rog. <laughs> oh, come on. Ozzel. Correct. Oh, come on. Arsenal had Czech, Chambers, Mustafi, Holding, Bellerin, Xhaka, Wilshere, Maitland-Niles, Ozil, Sanchez, Lacazette. Chelsea had Courtois, Christensen, Moses, that was going to be my one. Cahill, Aspilicueta, Moses, Bakayoko, Kante, Fabregas, Alonso, Hazard, oh, Morales. I've had so many of these players. I could have had so many of these players. I, I just thought it was his first signing, but it's not that. It's Sarri. It was Sarri's first signing. What a knobhead. <laughs> I think it's now three weeks in a row. But I've not even got the game going. First yeah. 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 Maybe two, at least two of them time. will be Everton, though. At least it wasn't Everton this week. Oh, it's a disgrace. Disgraceful performance. Well, you get another go next week. Yes. Right. <sighs> we should go. Has anyone got anything before we go? Uh, anything more about no, goats or anything? A bit, a bit silly there. I'm a bit flustered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a couple of da- dogs died on Qantas flights this week. They've stopped letting you smuggle dogs. <laughs> you not read that? No. No, they've stopped. They've stopped the the risky dog trans- <laughs> transport <laughs> operation that they ran. 
I'm going to get out of here. This is real or not. No, I've got no go. idea. Yeah. Go. Quick, let's go. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. Hopefully, Jeff won't talk about goats or dogs. Um, don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask questions, tell us we're wrong about something, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.